What's going on, everybody? I'm Dylan Petemery, and welcome back to another episode of Top Shelf. It feels so good to be back. I'm sorry for not posting an episode last week. I'd received my second dose of the vaccine on Tuesday, and Wednesday morning, I just felt completely out of it. Um, plus, I had a lot of schoolwork with finals coming up and all of that around the corner. But enough about that. Um, we have so much to cover with playoffs coming up, and teams have 10 or less games to play, unless you're the Canucks, obviously, because they had that whole situation. Anyways, let's just hop right in to another episode of Top Shell. Alrighty, so... Recently, the NHL came out and finally discussed the NHL playoff situation. So like I mentioned before, there's going to be a four-team setup from every division. So the top four teams in each division will make it, and the one seed will play the four seed, the two seed will play the three seed, and then obviously the winners of both are going to play each other. Um, It's a normal seven-game series with two home, two away, and then one home, one away, one home, that type of situation. So normal best of seven type of uh, playoff with the winner of each uh, division playing the other winner of that other round. Now, after the first two rounds, how it's going to work is we'll have four teams remaining, one from the north, one from the east, one from the central, and one from the west. Uh, Those four teams will then be reseeded based off, I'm assuming, the regular season is how they'll reseed it based on who was the best team and based on record. And the one seed will play the four seed and the two will play the three. And then the winners will play in the Stanley Cup. Now, the problem that comes is what is going to happen with the Canadian team, something I've been asking for so long. So the NHL has said that they plan to adapt their playoffs if needed, and they will adhere to the regulations of the local and national government. Um, There's no... uh, plan to implement um, the bubble for the playoffs this year. Rather, when it comes down to the four teams remaining, the hope is that they are going to ask and hope to obtain flexibility and special permission for teams to freely travel across the U.S.-Canada border border solely to play games. Um, This would be the first option that the NHL is going to hope for. However, if not that, then the NHL would then have to relocate the Canadian team into the U.S. to a home rink of another NHL organization. And the NHL has said that this rink would not be whatever rink is closest to that Canadian team, rather closest to the other team's uh, rink of who they are going to play geographically. Um, So like Toronto wouldn't, if Toronto makes it out as the Canadian team, they wouldn't relocate to Buffalo. Uh, They would relocate, let's say they played the Avalanche, right? Let's say they played them. They would then relocate to the NHL stadium closest to the Colorado Avalanche to reduce um, travel costs for both the teams. Um, So that would be, that's what the situation looks like right now. Um, So they're going to be adapting depending on... um, what what kind of happens between governments and how laws loosen up and if they can manage to get that. Um, I guess this kind of does set a little bit of a disadvantage for Canadian teams. I don't know how the fans would work. Um, if they do not allow them to uh, 
go across the border and they do have to relocate, part of me thinks that they might not allow fans for the Canadian team's home games uh, just because then you're going to be closer to that other team and it might entice fans from that uh, the away team to come and visit um, and kind of not allow them to have that home advantage. I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but at least we have a general sense of what their idea is looking like. So speaking of playoffs, uh, some teams have already punched their ticket and claimed a playoff spot. These would come in the like of three teams from the Central and three teams from the West. So first, we're going to look at the Central, where the Panthers, Hurricanes, and Lightnings have all light locked in a playoff berth. The Hurricanes appear to be the strongest team right now, but the Lightning can always make a push for that one spot. Um, with the loss of Ekblad, it's not that the Panthers haven't looked great, but they just aren't at that same level as they were and no longer look likely to top out the division. It appears there's going to be a fight between two teams for that fourth spot, though, that is still up for grabs, and that's going to be between the Dallas Stars and Nashville Predators. The Predators currently own that spot and are only two points ahead of the Stars, but the Stars do have two games in hand. Unfortunately, though, for the Blackhawks, it looks as though their Cinderella story where they were holding on to that fourth spot despite the youth movement. Uh, it looks like it's no longer. Patrick Kane held on as long as he could. Um, they're five and five in their last 10. They're seven points out of fourth, and their hopes might just be out the window. Um, regardless, a fantastic season and a great bolster for many of their young players and rookies for the future. I, I wouldn't count them out completely yet, but it seems unlikely and that the Predators and Stars are going to be the more likely to grab that fourth spot. Now, the Predators seem like they are on a course to keep and maintain their position as they quickly shifted from sellers at the trade deadline to holding on to their assets. The Stars have greatly missed their top player, Tyler Sagan, who has been out with injury, but he is making steps towards making his return for the season. Uh, it's expected later this week that He'll be able to start getting into some contact skating. He's already started skating a bit, um, but uh, he he might not be ready for the regular season. It's a little bit unsure. Um, he would be a great help if he could just kind of help them make that push. But if the Stars can manage to make the playoffs, they would greatly benefit and be adding in their number one center back into the lineup. And who knows what could happen in the in the playoffs. Now on to the West, where another three teams have also clinched the playoff berth, including the Golden Knights, Avalanche, and Wild. The Golden Knights have been on fire, winning nine of their last ten. They've always been one of the favorites for the Stanley Cup since the beginning of the season, and signed Alex Petrangelo, who just solidified their defense. Um, the Col Colorado Avalanche were also almost a shoe-in for the playoffs and possible Stanley Cup contender. Uh, the Avalanche have a stacked roster from offense to defense. And with the great play of Grubauer in that this season, it's no doubt they're a tough team and being led by one of the best players in the NHL, Nathan McKinnon. The Minnesota Wild, however, come somewhat of a shock. It was expected they'd be competing for a spot in the West, but they, they've impressed the entire NHL with a phenomenal season on the back of phenomenal rookies in Kirill Kaprizov and Kako Kakanin in net. Uh, the teams competing for that fourth spot will be the St. Louis Blues and Arizona Coyotes. 
Now, the Blues currently occupy that fourth spot and sit on 48 points, with three games in hand on the Coyotes, who have 47 points. So that's a possible seven-point gap they could create. Now, the Blues have been on and off this season and could sneak into the playoffs quite easily, uh, despite being the worst, uh, worse than some other five and six seeds in other divisions. However, don't sleep on any team when it comes to playoff, especially one of the Blues who know what it takes to win the Cup. Uh, they went from being one of the worst teams to winning the Stanley Cup in 2019. It seems unlikely that this Arizona can mount a comeback in the standings on the shoulders of their best players so far this season. Connor Garland, who is rumored to maybe move, but they held on to. But crazier things have happened, so who knows what the Coyotes could do and maybe try and make a push for that fourth spot. Now we move on to the East, where the top four teams seem to have been established. The Capitals and Penguins look to have almost cemented their playoff clinching as the number one and two in the East currently. With the Rangers' second, uh, second half strong push, it leaves the Bruins and Islanders, though, in a bit of danger if they slip up just the tiniest bit. The Islanders currently sit in third with 63 points in 49 games, and the Bruins sit on 62 points in 48 games. And the Rangers have 58 points in 50 games. Now, the Rangers obviously have played more and have less points, though they have been very hot, and any slip-up from either team could mean the playoffs are gone for them. Uh, the Rangers do actually face the Bruins and Islanders twice in their last six games. So those are going to be extremely big games, and probably the Rangers would need to win both of those in regulation and in order to obtain any chance of making the playoffs. They cannot drop any points. They cannot let the games go into overtime or a shootout. They would need to win both games against either of those teams in regulation. Um, regardless if they do or not, the Rangers have looked to be an amazing team with lots of young talent. Uh, they, they could be threatening for the years coming up. Um, and finally, obviously, we have the North Division where the Maple Leafs, Oilers, and Jets have pretty much all but clinched as well. Um, it appears the Maple Leafs are going to top out the division as expected kind of by many this season. Um, some switching could come between the Jets and Oilers, and the Oilers could take over the first spot, but it's unlikely. But with McDavid play for the Oilers, uh, they can rely on him to hold on and take that second place position and hold on to home advantage. Um, the question comes, can the Montreal Canadiens hold on to fourth place? They currently have 51 points with a game in hand on the Flames, who sit in fifth with 45 points, only six behind, but a possible eight-point advantage. Uh, there was a bit of a losing streak uh, for them, but th they claimed the win against the Flames, actually, the Canadians did on Monday. Um, and I fully believe in this Canadian team who started out hot, and I think they're going to manage to hold on and be that fourth team to go represent in Canada, most likely matching up against that Toronto Maple Leafs team. And uh, I think they're probably the best defensive team out there in the North Division. I think the Maple Leafs are all offense. The Oilers are clearly all offense. Uh, the Jets are very good offensively, and I'm just surprised they didn't make a move defensively. Um, but the Canadians have a very, very solid defense. Jeff Petrie, uh, Petrie, excuse me. Shea Weber, Joel Edmondson, they've got veterans on that team, and Carey Price in that. 
where other teams are like the Oilers and the Maple Leafs are kind of questionable in the net. Um, but I do think the Canadians will hold on and edge out the Flames and grab that fourth spot. So I'm excited for these NHL playoffs, and as there's nothing better and more intense to watch. But as the regular season goes on and is coming to a finish, questions are now arising. Will Kirill Kaprizov hold on to the Calder Trophy that he appeared to be running away with? Now, Kaprizov currently has 41 points in 47 games, which leads all rookies. But Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars, who I mentioned before, who came out of nowhere, is creeping up. And he currently has 40 points in 44 games. This actually gives him a .04 more points per game. Um, Kaprizov is rocking on .87 points per game. And Jason Robertson has .91 points per game, playing a couple less games than him. Um, now, points are not everything, obviously, in the Calder race. It is not given to the player with the most points as a rookie, as it is possible for goaltenders to win the trophy as well. Kaprizov does have more goals than his counterpart, though, with 25, and is leading the wild in point. Now, I believe as long as the point difference isn't too big between Robertson and Kaprizov, that it would still edge in the favor of Kaprizov. Um, now, if you want, if you've watched him play, he is without a doubt been one of the Wild's best player, if not their best player. And I believe he has changed the atmosphere and mentality of this Wild team giving them a whole lot of energy. He's got that flair, that goal-scoring ability you want in your franchise winger. I do believe Robertson will rack up some votes, and it will not be unanimous to Kaprizov, as previously thought was going to happen before his surge. Um, a lot of criticism may come to Kaprizov, obviously being 24, not really being a true rookie. Um, but I that, that, doesn't, that shouldn't factor in. Like, you can be a 30-year-old and still be a rookie. So, like... And like other people take different amount of time to develop and be ready to go into the NHL. Not everyone's going to come in as a 19 year old stud that can get it done right away. So I don't think that should take away from Kaprizov's votes, but I think it might just a little bit. And if Robertson edges him out in points. Um, but speaking of studs who are 19 years old, I want to move on to a rookie who hasn't gotten much positive attention and not much attention from me this year he was my pick to win the calder this year and that is alexi lafreniere the number one pick by the new york rangers this past season now lafreniere came into the draft as the undoubtedly number one pick and had extremely high expectations drawing lots of comparisons to a rookie season in the likes of Sidney crosby or Connor McDavid, like that type of number one franchise player you have on your team. Um, lots of times these can be overwhelming expectations for a player. And it showed as he had a long scoring drought before he finally nabbed his first goal for the Rangers. But he has started to pick things up. He has 18 points in 50 games, which obviously isn't amazing. But he has started to show a bit more confidence out there. We have to remember he's 19 years old, right? This He's still a kid. Um, he never played at the pro level before, so sometimes it can take a player a little bit to make that transition. Jack Hughes, who last season was the number one overall pick, people were calling Hughes a boss last year after one season, but this season he has showed that he's already becoming a much better player. I, I think you just got to give Lafreniere the time, and he'll show exactly what he can do. 
Um, it has been good that he started to gain some confidence and uh, starting to become a little bit more physical, which is one of the big steps you see from the junior to pro level is, is a big difference between the physicality. Um, obviously, with players who play in Europe, they kind of get that experience earlier because they're playing with older men out there. But in these junior leagues, it's all like 16, 17, 18-year-old players who there's not really that many big bodies, but Lafreniere is starting to get that physicality down. And I think without a doubt, you wait until next season and he will be with this Ranger organization and he will show a ton of steps of improvement. Now, talking about improving, just when you think it wasn't possible, Connor McDavid has hit another gear this season. He currently sits on 81, yes, 81 points in 46 games. This gives him a 1.76 points per game, which puts him on track for about 98 to 99 points per season. Can he hit 100? I guess we'll have to see. Um, if this were a regular year with 82 games in the season, just to give you kind of a perspective of how good a season this actually is, he would be on track for 144 points. Now, in case you were wondering how insane that actually is, the last people to score more than 144 points was Yamir Yager and Mario Lemieux, who were both playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins and scored 149 and 161 points in 1995-1996 season. So it has been more than two decades since someone scored more than 144 points. So that's what Connor McDavid would be on if it was a regular season with 82 games. Now, obviously, we are not in that season, so he obviously will not get to that total. Um, Nikita Kucherov is probably the most recent to have hit that high total. Um, he scored 128 points in the 2018-2019 season. Can McDavid turn it up and manage an 100-point season? It seems a bit unlikely, um, but it is Connor McDavid. So literally anything can happen. He's got 10 more games to do it. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. He'll have to average about two points per game. But that just shows the kind of level that McDavid can play at and why he is one of the best players in the world right now. And so moving on, in my last episode two weeks ago, uh, I looked at the trade deadline in every single trade. And I want to revisit a couple of those players who were moved and see how these new faces have worked out in their new places. First, I'm going to look at Taylor Hall who has moved over to the Boston Bruins. Now in nine games with the Bruins, he has four goals and three assists. Uh, the change of scenery has really seemed to benefit Hall. Um, he's looked to be as their secondary scorer. Um, there's not really a lot of pressure on Hall to do much um, as he's on that second line with Krejci, who has benefited from having a goal scorer winger by his side. Hall has created explosive offense outside of the perfection line which was exactly what this Boston team needed. And he has seemed to really fit well there. And who knows if he'll assign an extension in this upcoming offseason. In another trade, we saw Mantha go to Washington and Verona go to Detroit. Anthony Mantha has panned out very well so far for this Capitals team, putting up four goals and two assists in the first seven games with the team. Sorry if there's a bit of uh, ruckus going on in the background, but he's put four goals and two assists in his first seven games with the team. Um, a big power forward scorer for this team uh, seems to have really benefited on that second line now with Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Oshie 
they have a big body who can carry the puck and bury it in the back of the net in their top six. Uh, the Capitals seem to be solidified on both lines of their top six. They have people who can bring skill, speed, shoot the puck, and a ton of grit. Verona, Jacob Verona has also panned out quite well for Detroit. He opened up uh, his tally with four goal performance up against the Dallas Stars. Now, you can't really go wrong with that start to your career in your new city. Verona has a five goals and an assist in six games with Detroit so far. Um, he hasn't really had a consistent line mate or line yet, but he's played with the likes of Philpula, Rasmussen, and Zadina. Um, I would likely assume he would be playing with Dylan Larkin in Zadina, maybe for that future first line. Obviously, Dylan Larkin is out right now. Um, but just get in play with the team. I think he's going to be a great pickup for Detroit. And I think Steve Eiserman did a great job in that trade. And I think it's working out for both teams. I still think the Capitals overpaid a bit. But, hey, if it, if it works for them, then, like, all power to them. We'll have to see what those picks they gave out turn out to be. Now, another big name we saw who uh, surprisingly moved was Jeff Carter. Now, since joining the Penguins, Carter has played eight games and has three goals and one assist. Carter has currently been getting second-line ice time with Malkin out. He's been playing alongside Jared McCann and Justin Zucker. Uh, it is uncertain what the plan will be uh, when Malkin returns, if he gets bumped out to that right side wing, or if he gets bumped down to create some center depth and be on the third line. Um, I think it's good to have a player like him. He can play all across the forward line. It uh, doesn't really matter. Uh, he's looked comfortable out there. Uh, I'm, I'm sure wherever he plays, he's going to continue to do well with this Pittsburgh team. Now, David Riddich was one of the biggest goalies sent out on the move in the trade deadline. He hasn't really played much, only three games, starting two of them. Uh, he had a great game against the Flames, but ended up losing in overtime. Uh, overall, he hasn't been amazing and that impressive. He has a 3.36 goals against and a 0.877 save percentage. Um, but with goalie sets, they can change in a matter of seconds. And I, like I've said so many times, all you need in a playoffs is that hot goalie. And if they can get hot going into the playoffs, that's all you really need. But the question is going to come as what's going to happen when or if Freddie Anderson does return from injury uh, Jack Campbell has looked to be really good, so I don't know why he wouldn't start, but I guess it'll all depend when Freddie comes back and how he plays when he does come back. Now, the final player we are checking in on is Matthias Yanmark. Uh, he joined the Vegas Golden Knights from the Chicago Blackheart. Blackhawks. Yanmark has one goal and two assists in six games where he had been put on the wing and has been put in the center for both second and third line. Um, with a combination of different players. It's good to have a player like him who can play across the forward line as well. He can play left wing, center, right wing, whatever you really need him to do. Um, it's now just a matter of finding where he works best and which to me seems like being that third line center. Uh, they obviously have William Carlson and Chandler Stevenson. Um, so I think he'll probably end up on that third line center um, but really just establishing where he's going to be before they, the Golden Knights get into the playoffs. So to close things out, obviously we have my three stars of the week. At number three, give me Jonathan Huberdeau, who is 
with the Panthers in four games has two goals, six assists for eight points and a plus four, where the Panthers went two and two. Now, Huberto is currently ranked number eight in the NHL for points and has really taken a big step alongside of Alexander Barkov to help bring offense to this first line and this Florida team, who is now looking at their first playoff appearance since 2016 and will be looking to win a playoff series for the first time since 1996 when they made it all the way to the cup final and lost to the Colorado Avalanche. And number two, give me Sebastian Ajo, who had three goals, five assists, and eight points and was a plus three in the last four games for the Carolina Hurricanes, where they went 2-0-2. Sebastian Ajo, who centers that top line of the Hurricanes alongside of Andrei Shvechnikov, has been great for another great season, showing why he can be a number one center. Now, he's not only point per game, but for the first time in his career, he's shown he can get it done at the faceoff without winning more than 50% of his draws. The Kings are deep, but it is always special to have a young centerman talent like that of Ahu, who doesn't seem like he's been getting as much attention this year, but has been a phenomenal talent. And finally, at number one, if you had to take a guess who it is, yes, it's Connor McDavid, who had four goals and three assists for seven points and was a plus four in the Oilers' last two games where they went one and one. Now, I already talked about McDavid and what a season he is having, and he is undoubtedly going to get that Art Ross for having the most points, and I think he might unanimously get that heart decision um, with the season he's been having. But genuinely, no matter what team you are a fan of or what players you are a fan of, just go watch this guy play. Like, it is truly amazing, and he is a once-in-a-lifetime talent and he's still so young. I believe he's like 26 still. Um, amazing speed, skill, and the vision he has. He is a walking highlight reel. Like, just, like, honestly, just go watch him play. Every single day, I follow the NHL on YouTube, and you will see a highlight of him every single night that he plays. He is just amazing and having an amazing season. So now to wrap it up, finally, we have our league leaders. Just to recap. Uh, we have Kirill Kaprizov, who's just holding on to that lead for rookies with 41. McDavid has widened his gap for points and still holds for the most assists with 81 points and 53 assists. Austin Matthews continues his leads and goals and for that uh, Rocket Richard trophy with 34 goals. Adam Fox leads all defensemen with 47 points and could possibly be chasing a Norris trophy between him and Victor Hedman. And now for goalie stats, we're a new man to the Bruins with Raskin Hawk missing a lot of time due to injury and COVID reasons. Jeremy Swayman, who leads in goals against with 1.57 and save percentage with a 0.946. Grubauer, Varlamov, and Fleury are all still tied for most shutouts on the season with five. And finally, Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning leads the league and wins with 29. So that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in as we discuss the playoff clinches, what teams are looking to hold on to their playoff spots, a closer look on how the Calder race is being shaken up in McDavid's historic season. Make sure to follow me here on Spotify. I'll catch you all next week for another episode of Top Shelf.